Good morning, everyone. My name is Nita. Um, I've got that done now. So now I have said my name, and we can move on from there. It is good to see all of you here today. That last song I wanted to uh, ground us sort of in what is it that we really know? And how do we move into that place of stillness? Because our faculty... Um, how do I want to word this? Our faculty of faith which is what we're going to be talking about today, our faculty of faith is that which we know for good, bad, ugly, indifferent, whatever. Now we also have a faculty of understanding and of wisdom, and those also enter into our knowing faculties. But when we say, I have faith the sun will rise tomorrow, what we're saying is, I know the sun will rise tomorrow. And if we say, I'm, I'm really worried about the direction that things are headed in our world, what we're really saying is, I know things are going to hell in a handbasket really fast. So whatever it is, whichever side of that, that we find ourselves on, that is where we are placing our faith. And I think that a lot of us, um, I'm, I'm projecting here from my own growing up, I thought faith was some magical thing that you either had or you didn't. That, you know, you either, you were either able to believe or you were not. And so it came as a big surprise to me when I landed in unity and new thought at a point and found out that really we all have an immense, never used up amount of faith in our lives. It's purely a matter of where are we choosing to place our faith. Are we choosing to place our faith in the goodness of that which goes by so many names that we may also call God? Or are we choosing to place our faith in the direction of hard times, of division, of conflict? And our work here, in my opinion... The work that we have come here to do and to be a part of is to be a part of the consciousness of the omnipresence of good. One of the names of God that we are especially fond of is good without opposite. And you know, whatever name is is your own personal favorite for God, that's fine. It, whatever it is, in the infinite and the ultimate, does not care what you call it. It is the one power, the one presence that is active in all of our lives. It is the one power, the one presence that gives us life. It is the one power, the one presence that we are expressing through our own lives. So we begin each week here with an affirmation of the truth of what we are. The who of what we are, we'll just kind of put that on hold for the next hour and you all can get real acquainted, <clears throat> excuse me, you can all get really acquainted with the who of each other later on, but the what of us remains constant. The what of us is that one power, that one presence expressing at the point we are. So if you would join me, please, and if you've never seen this before, you're reading it and you're going, I just don't even really know if I really want to sign on to that quite yet. 
That's okay too. But for those of us who are comfortable doing so, assume just in your posture a posture of good, a posture of knowing truth, a posture of power. And speak these words with me. Releasing the things that are behind, I realize I am strong, positive, powerful, wise, loving, fearless, free spirit. I am the infinite, expressing at the point I am. I am peace in the midst of all matters. And we know that is so, and we allow it to be. We are each here because on some level we have made a commitment to our own, our own wholeness. I'll just put it that way. Somehow we have each made a commitment to the wholeness that is already present within us. We are each and every one of us whole, complete, perfect, uniquely expressing at the point I, that we each are, at the point I am. And so when we come together, we come together to give power and to give expression to that which we are. And we have been focusing the last several weeks on what does it mean to live a a life that is abundant and a life that allows us to thrive. We all know, we're going we're gonna to say this doesn't apply to anybody in this room. This is those other people out there. Because none of us would ever fall into this. We know that there are a lot of people who sort of move through, lives on, through their lives on autopilot. We know that there are a lot of people on this planet who live their lives in fear. And they have evidence to do so. It's not that we just wake up one day and say, I think I'm going to live with a worldview that life sucks and you die. I don't think anybody gets up one day and decides as a conscious choice, this is the path I'm going to live my life through. But what happens is that there can be such a difference. The, um, the term that I've heard used a lot is cognitive dissonance. And what that means is, there is a, there's a big gap between the way that we think things ought to be or even the way that we believe within that things truly are and the evidence of what shows up in our lives that we find it really, really a challenge to hold two differing sets of opinions at the same time. Now, I'm not saying that it's hard for our brain to go on 4,000 different tracks at the same time because at least my brain is really, really gifted at holding a 1,000 different trains of thought at the same time. Had a, I had an instructor, a meditation teacher once, who was shocked that so many of us actually could could be aware that we were holding oppositional thoughts at the very same time. And I, it was just like, have you never heard the phrase, yeah, but? Yeah, but this. Yeah, but that. Yeah, but how about this? Yeah, but this. And so what we do when we are here and in those moments of awareness, because this is a path that we're walking 24-7. We're not just on the spiritual path when we get in our cars to drive here and when 10.30 rolls around and we sing. We are on a spiritual path always. The thing is, we're also 
on a human path always, aren't we? And so it's much easier when we're looking out at the world to become convinced that the human is more important than that spirit that we are. And, and it's understandable that if someone has had a lot of experiences of life kind of just continually kicking dirt in their face, that they may find it a challenge to say, you know, I, I am aware that I am living a human life, but that the truth of me is that I am spirit, expressing spirit at the point I am, and that good is truly always available to us. Because when we say that God is good without opposite, we do not mean that all of the things that humans do is good. We can always find good. We can always claim some good out of every circumstance. But all of the human circumstances that we find ourselves in are definitely not good. Humans have created a certain consciousness around being human. And that consciousness of just only human tends to contain things like fear, disease, abuse, lack, all of the stuff that we absolutely do not want to experience in our lives. And what we need to remember is that even though we are that divine expressing at the point we are, we are also fully human, walking a fully human path. Many of us were raised up by parents who experienced some extreme lack during the time of the Depression and all of that. Uh, and we carry, we carry those seeds of fear those seeds of concern around lack. We carry the fear that things will go badly and that they may go from bad to worse. However, that is not the truth of what we are. What we are is fully divine. We are, to use traditional language, children of God. And while the Bible can be problematic because it can basically be used, basically, you know, you all know, whatever it is you want to justify, you will find justification in the Bible. It's as simple as that. The Bible, we believe, was written by humans to tell the stories of their experiences being humans walking a path that, in, that crosses with the divine at times. And so we need to look at the stories and the situations in the Bible as symbolic. Because if we want to just claim literal truth in the Bible, we will just, all of a sudden, we'll be smiting over here and killing over there and wiping out over here and saying, I'm right, no, we're right, and kill the Egyptians and you know, smite the Pharisees and all of that stuff. And that is not what we are here for. But there is wisdom. Every faith tradition has wisdom within it. And so what we need to become 
conscious of is when am I living the stories that were perhaps told to me through the filter of someone's fear and when am I actually hearing the wisdom that is contained I mentioned last week that what I've been focusing on here during these is the statement from the one that we in New Thought tend to call our elder brother, our way shower, the master teacher named Jesus. It is our understanding that Jesus was also a fully human person and he learned to a degree that many of us still struggle with how to live his life from a divine orientation. That he is one who, in the scheme of people, was probably a lot better at this fully human, fully divine thing than a lot of us are. And one of the statements that he said was that he had come here. He had come here to teach and to teach us about the life more abundant that he had come to teach us that there was more than just the plagues and the famine and the politics and the this and the that and the other thing. And so what do we mean when we're talking about a life lived more abundantly? What do we mean when we're talking about thriving? Well, one of the things we are not talking about is living on autopilot. There seems to be a point for a lot of humans that we reach Some of us reach it when we're kids and we realize that our job when we go to school is just to sit down, shut up, and don't make any trouble. Don't ask questions. Don't, you know, just get your grades, check the boxes, get out of here because we think there's some fantasy adulthood waiting for us. Well, it turns out that that fantasy adulthood is what? More showing up being told, sit down, shut up, don't ask questions, don't get too curious. And so we do that thinking, okay, retirement's going to come one of these days. (laughs) You're already laughing, you already know the punchline, don't you? So we can live our whole lives simply showing up, sitting down, shutting up, trying not to make any trouble, and wake up one day as... As a person who, who I counted as a good friend, she's, she's moved on into the next, the next phase of life at this point. But she looked me in the eyes one day and she said, Nita, it was like I was 57 and all of a sudden the alarm clock went off and I woke up. <laughs> and she realized that she had been a good daughter, a good student, a good teacher, a good wife, She happened to have been a military spouse, so she had been a good military spouse. And then one day she woke up. And it wasn't that being a good spouse or being a good parent or being a good anything is bad. Far from it. That's what we want. But what we want to do is to engage our lives and be fully present to all of that, to all of the dimensions of what does it mean to be fully human, fully divine. And for goodness sakes, if we can figure that out before we're headed out of here, that is such a good thing. So this is what we're looking at, is how can we, what are the practices that can help us to thrive? So, so far we have talked about aligning with infinite good. 
And so all that that means is, you know, we, we have known from the time we had consciousness, from the time we were aware that we had agency, that even if we were two years old, we somehow knew we were not our parents. And from that moment, unless there is really something psychologically wrong with us, and there's not with most people, most people come in relatively healthy, but we have always known that there's something within us that knows good from bad, that there is something within us that knows that it's better for us to behave in a certain way than it is in another way. There is something within us that even if we have conformed to the sit down, shut up, don't ask any questions and don't make any trouble, there's something within us that is knowing there is more to this life than this. And so what we want to do is to practice being present, align with that infinite good. This is where our practice of meditation comes into play and is so helpful. Because at least once a day, if you have a firm meditation practice, at least once a day, you will become still in whatever practice that is. And it may be a sitting practice, it may be a walking practice, it may have to do with your creativity, it may be playing music, it may be singing, it may be any number of things. Perhaps it's gardening, but at least every day you will pause and breathe and go, oh yeah, this is what I'm here for. I am here to remember this and we claim an intention of good. We also have talked about the non-negotiable need to forgive. It doesn't mean we have to forget. doesn't mean we have to want to hang out with these people. doesn't mean we have to like them. But on some level, we need to release ourselves from the bondage of unforgiveness. So whether you look at it as drinking poison and expecting someone else to die or whether you look at it as Emmett Fox did with this chain connected to you for life after life after lifetime until you release them and let them go. If you are holding unforgiveness in your consciousness around anything, you've got to give it up. You just have to find a way to do it. And if you can't, I spoke about willingness. If you genuinely, it's like, you know, but you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what this person did to me. And you are right. I do not know what that person did to you. And I know. I know from personal experience and I know from talking with many, many of you. Within these walls, we have terrible, horrible stories to tell. Within these walls are experiences that none of us would wish on any other person. And the bottom line is, as long as we're looking at that, we are not looking at the infinite good which is available to us. So forgiveness becomes non-negotiable. If you can't forgive now, affirm your willingness to forgive. I am willing to release this feeling of anger of hurt, of victimhood. It is 
I think, almost impossible to be thriving and enjoying an abundant life at the same time that you are bemoaning your victimhood. I don't think it's possible. So if you find yourself in victimhood, one of the best practices is gratitude. And so here we go with the yeah but. Yeah but, look at the day today. Look at how beautiful the sky is. Look at all of these people of good hearts. Look at all of the good that I have. I am willing to release that which has held me back. And appreciating the good, when we move into that sense of gratitude, appreciating the good also means us. So many of us harbor so many reasons why we think that we're somehow inferior. Somehow we fear that we are unforgivable, that we are unlovable, that we will never measure up. We think and we do one thing and then it's just not quite good enough. So part of the good that we need to affirm is that we ourselves are already good enough. That we have done the best that we could in every given circumstance. Even in those circumstances that we behaved badly, and, and you know, I've, I've joked in classes, I hope they never make a video reality series called Ministers Behaving Badly. <laughs> because there are times in my life that I'm just like, oh please, please, don't be, don't anybody have your phone out on this one, you know. But we're always doing the best we can. Even if it doesn't seem like it's very good, it's the best we're capable of in that moment. Last week I spoke about our imagination, our faculty of imagination, and our need to cultivate divine ideas. The currency that the infinite that God uses to provide our good is not dollars and cents that are handed to us by a deity. You know, most of us have not yet not had a knock on the door and had it be God standing there with groceries or money or any of that. The currency of abundance is divine ideas, is being that mind that has access to everything, that mind which can know everything, that mind from which come the ideas that we then put into action. And you know, not every idea is divine. We know this. You know, I've had some ideas that again led me to be concerned about the ministers behaving badly thing and unfortunately followed through on those. Well, it seemed like a good idea at the time. And what I know is that there are always, always, always these other ideas that are the ones that I can take and I can integrate into my life that can help me to live more fully, to live more abundantly, to thrive. And I had a quote last week that said it's not enough just to hold thoughts. We have to be thinkers and feelers. So last week we had a meditation around our imagination and how would it feel Take a dream that you have in your life. Take an issue that you have in your life. How would it feel for that to be resolved for good? And allow yourself to feel that, to give it shape, form, color. 
to grow into its truth and its reality because that's how we create our lives is by appropriating the divine ideas oh it would be nice if my workplace were more peaceful here's the little you know one minute version I was working in a terribly dysfunctional workplace I had started reading Emmett Fox little essays by him every day when I got to work I just kept an Emmett Fox book in my car parked the car read Emmett Fox (sighs) breathed and then went into work and I had the idea one night when I was in the break room and everybody's like I had the idea maybe tomorrow I'll bring my Emmett Fox book in and I'll read on my break well that was easy so the next night I did that Um, I kind of got in trouble the supervisor like wanted us to get away from our workspace and I said well then where can I go read I was like, well, you should like hang out with every... No, I, I'm sorry, they're wonderful people, but I would prefer to read. It's my 15 minutes, where can I read? And they finally agreed it would be okay for me to stay at my workplace and read. Within a week, another woman brought in her knitting. A few days after that, somebody brought in something else. And what ended up happening was within two weeks, literally everyone in our department, except for two people was otherwise occupying themselves. And those two people got so annoyed at the rest of us, they quit. (laughs) That's what can happen when we take a divine idea and work with it. I would never have thought that... I'm a reader. I would never have thought that just taking a book into a building would be like a truly divine idea, but it was for me in that space. So today what we're going to talk about and not even talk about, we're going to move into a meditation time, is taking our faculty of faith and coupling it with our faculty of imagination. These two are two of our 12 powers that we've talked about a lot. And you can have, I I will just tell you, you get a bunch of unity ministers together and somebody throws out a question, we will sit there all night talking about the goofiest stuff. One of the questions that you can throw out is, so what do you think came first, faith or imagination? (laughs) It's kind of one of our version of the chicken and the egg because if you don't have faith, why bother to imagine? But if you can't imagine things are different, don't you need faith? So we're going to join up faith and imagination here. So what I'm going to invite you to do is remember what I told you earlier about the faculty of faith. It is our ability to believe. It is our ability to know truth. It is our ability to stand firm and say, this is what I know, this is what I believe. I am curious and and I'm quandaried and you know, baffled about a lot of things in life. I am not baffled about the truth that we are all connected. I know that. I know that. I know that as part of the wholeness that is the energy of life, we are one. I also am aware that as humans, there's an awful lot of people that haven't gotten that memo yet. But I also know that thoughts are contagious. Charles Fillmore talked about this years and years and years ago, over a hundred years ago. He talked about keeping ourselves inoculated from thoughts of hard times. And now, 
psychology and neuroscience is telling us about this thing called mood contagion, which basically means you can feel it if you walk into a stressful room, can't you? And what usually happens to you? Oh, I wonder why they're all upset. Maybe they were talking about me. Maybe there's layoffs. What's happening? I don't know. And we tend to become stressed. We also know what has happened to us on those occasions that we have been stressed and we have walked into a room where people are holding the awareness of peace. And it's sort of like every cell in our body can go, "Ah, thank you. So we claim our ability to know, to believe, and then to believe in the divine ideas that bring forth our good and to use our faculty of imagination to shape those thoughts and those beliefs, to give them form and feeling and sound and smell and sight and so that we create our reality, our experience of life. So I'm going to ask you to just become still, breathe, Ah, that nice out-breath that signals to your whole body that it's okay to be at ease. It's okay to be at rest. And as we usually do, it's good to focus on your heart. This is not just some woo-woo, new-agey kind of a thing. This is, again, there is a physiological response of well-being within our bodies When we focus on our hearts, we breathe intentionally, actually use our imagination to imagine that our heart is breathing. And of course, in a way it is. It is always exchanging the oxygenated blood for the blood that needs to be recirculated. And it helps if we think of someone or something for whom we have an uncomplicated appreciation. Maybe there was a puppy when you were a kid, and every time you think of that puppy, you just get happy. Maybe there's a place on the planet that you know there's a rock that you can sit on and stare at the ocean for hours and hours. Maybe it's hiking in the desert. Whatever it is, we simply allow ourselves to be at ease. And another tool that we use is music. So I invite you as this next song plays, sing along if you wish, and allow it to escort you into that realm of imagining good without opposite, here, now, present.
imagine the world is one because we are this already is truth we've covered that truth with a lot of layers of not truth and we've come to believe that so many things are impossible when really the only reason things seem impossible is because we have covered up the truth that we know within ourselves with all of the yeah but what about this and what about that and what about the other thing and there are facts there are people who are living with strife and trouble and it is true that we live in an abundant universe my good does not have to come at the cost of your suffering your good does not have to come at the cost of someone else's pain so in this moment we claim that truth we claim that desire that the world that the universe that all that is is good that there is a path which leads us to peace which acknowledges that we are on that path of peace and goodwill to all because we are the presence of peace so what would that feel like to wake up in this very moment as the apostle paul says somewhere in the twinkling of an eye everything can be transformed allow your imagination to color and clothe and give shape and form to the path which leads to your expression of peace in the midst of all matters what is it that you believe that you can stand firm in truth what is it that you want to express what is it that you feel called to be
What is it that you believe? What is it that you can do? How can you live your life more abundantly? We claim open receptivity to the divine ideas that give shape to the good in our world. We take those ideas and we claim willingness. We commit. We choose to integrate them into our lives. We claim willingness that when we forget that we take the moment of remembering as an affirmation of possibility and potential. And we give thanks. We offer gratitude and appreciation to ourselves, to each other, to each of those with whom we share this experience of life. We claim the good which is always possible, always present. And we allow that good to radiate forth from us and circulate one to the other, enveloping everyone, everywhere, all beings in the awareness of truth, the awareness of good, the awareness of potential, the awareness of peace. And with appreciation, we know this is so. We know it is possible. We know that good is present. We know that we're never more than a thought away from claiming that life more abundant. With gratitude, with appreciation... We know it is so, and so it is. Amen. So this is our practice at this point of the juncture. And other Sundays I might have said, this is your homework. Um, You will take with it and allow it to express. We take faith in divine ideas And those are the laws and principles in mind. You know, a lot of things change, but the basic laws of life do not change. Gravity does not change because you have decided that you want to take the ultimate selfie at the edge of the Grand Canyon. (laughs) You may take the ultimate selfie, but gravity will still have its way with you. So we have to learn how to work with these things. We have to learn... What are the laws that govern mind? What are the practices that I can put into play? And the way that we really learn those things is by working with them and practicing. So faith in divine ideas, laws and principles in divine mind, linked with the power of imagination, assures abundance. So if you hear words like, well, I would do that, but you know, I can't because. Or if you hear words like, Well, you know, you're so creative, but I don't have a creative bone in my body. 
if you hear words like, well, obviously somehow they're plugged into something, but I'm not, and so obviously I'm just not ever going to achieve this, that, or the other thing. Those are your mental cues. Those are the words that when you hear yourself giving thought to those things, you stop and you say, no, I reject that thought. I am strong, positive, powerful, wise, loving, fearless, free spirit. I am peace expressing in the midst of all matters. And you center yourselves in that. You say, you know it is so and so it is. Amen. And then you move forward fresh from there. So that's your homework this week. Uh, we'll see what all we create in this abundant life. Thank you very much.